The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by IBM. Big data at the speed of business. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. I want to welcome listeners who are joining us today on radio affiliates from coast to coast in all 50 states, as well as members of our armed forces who are serving abroad and tuning in over the Internet today. Thank you for your emails and letters and for tuning in again this week. In just a moment, United States Senator from Utah, Mr. Michael Lee, will be joining us to give us an update on where health care reform stands in the Senate, as well as tell us a little bit about the Bipartisan Due Process Guarantee Act, which makes it illegal to indefinitely detain individuals without bringing charges. But before Senator Lee joins us, as is my custom each week, let me tell you a little about his background. Michael Shumway Lee was born in Mesa, Arizona, and grew up in Provo, Utah, and McLean, Virginia. He earned his undergraduate in law degrees from Brigham Young University. After graduating from law school, Lee clerked in the U.S. District Court for the District of Utah, followed by becoming a clerk for future Supreme Court Justice Samuel Alito. He entered private practice in Washington, D.C. until 2002, when he returned to Utah to work as Assistant U.S. Attorney of Utah. Then from 2005 to 2006, Lee served as general counsel for Utah Governor John Huntsman, after which he returned to private practice again. In 2010, Lee threw his hat in the ring as the Republican Party nominee for the U.S. Senate, and he prevailed. He easily won re-election for a second term, and it's no secret why. Lee is one of the few senators who has been able to pull together bipartisan support for his initiatives, and he is here to talk about one of those initiatives. I also want to add that Senator Lee has a new book out, which is hot off the presses. The book is titled, Written Out of History, The Forgotten Founders Who Fought Big Government. For anyone who's a scholar of American history, this is a must-read, folks. We're going to hear more about these forgotten founders later in today's program. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report, United States Senator from Utah and best-selling author, Mr. Michael Lee. Welcome, Senator. Thanks so much. It's great to be with you. Now, before we jump into your book, I was wondering if you could give us a, a little update on where the health care reform bill stands in the Senate. As you know, the House struggled to pass the new American Health Care Act, and the CBO has since indicated that in addition to reducing health care costs by $120 billion in one decade, the House bill would cause 23 million Amer- Americans to lose their coverage. You recently made a comment that the House bill has to essentially be rewritten by the Senate. Can you tell us what specific areas of the House bill are being looked at? Uh, look, aside from everything else, the form in which it was written uh, could run afoul of some of the Senate procedures. And so uh, there are aspects of the House bill that will have to be re- rewritten for, for procedural reasons. There are other aspects of it that we're going to have another look at. One of my concerns with the House bill is that it didn't do enough to undo what I regard as being at the heart of the escalating cost of health care in the last few years since the ACA's passage, which was the Affordable Care Act's injection of a number of uh, federal uh, regulatory requirements into an interstate insurance market. Uh, that is the centerpiece of Obamacare, and that's a, a large part of why health care prices have risen so sharply. We've got to have a better regulatory framework, one that can inject more free market principles and federalism into the system if we're going to bring down the cost of health care. So you're saying that the House bill didn't go far enough in allowing insurance companies to offer uh, coverage in more than one state, as an example. That that is an example. Uh, uh, Selling insurance across state lines would be a welcome addition to this. Anything we can do to increase competition 
uh, will be good for the American healthcare consumer. Because when we introduce competition, we tend to bring down prices and we tend to improve quality. That's what the American people desperately need right now, and they deserve that. Now, I don't want to oversimplify, but the health care reform bill seems to depend on two things. Uh, the first is getting uh, more competition in order to drive prices down. But the second is getting more younger and healthier folks to subscribe in order to counteract the cost of caring for those who are ill. How will the Senate adjustments uh, deal with that? Look, my hope is that the changes we make... Uh, will bring about a lowering of the cost of health care generally, such that people will want to buy it. The federal government uh, can't make every decision for every person. Bad things tend to happen when we try to pretend otherwise. But it can promote competition, or at least remove federal regulatory impediments to competition in a way that will make it more affordable. I think more people would buy insurance. Hello? People, if it were more affordable. Mm-hmm. So, so the idea here is if you bring the price down, you'll get more participation from healthy folks. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, the House added an $8 billion provision to cover those with pre-existing conditions. But according to the CBO, that didn't do much. So what's the best way to deal with high risk and, and the high cost of enrolling citizens with pre-existing conditions? Look, there are a lot of ways that this could be approached, and I'm not ready to forecast exactly where the Senate bill is going to go. But I will add this. I think it's folly to assume that every time there is a need for government to intervene, that it necessarily needs to be this government, meaning the government based in Washington, D.C. There are immense differences in this country politically, uh, philosophically, according to region, according to state. There are also immense differences economically including economic differences that manifest themselves in the health care industry, differences in the way health care is delivered uh, between one state and another. This makes it uh, particularly appropriate for us to reintroduce the idea of federalism here, the idea that not every decision in our constitutional republic is supposed to be made by the federal government in Washington, D.C. Many of those are supposed to be left to the states. So should there be a national health care plan at all? Or should this be something that should be supported by the federal government and be determined uh, on a state-by-state basis? I think most people would agree that there is an appropriate role for the federal government to play in setting up a marketplace, an interstate marketplace, a system through which people can have certain minimum expectations about how to buy and sell insurance. Uh, about their ability to purchase insurance across state lines or to have some certain set of consistent expectations. The trick involves finding out how to to balance that. And I think in the past, particularly with the passage of the Affordable Care Act, we resolved that question uh, relying too much on the assumption that the federal government uh, could make it better, could make the health care market more affordable for middle-class Americans, and that turned out not to be a good bet. So I think where you're going is is that you'd like to see the federal government focus more on a framework and allow the states to participate in the specifics on how that framework would be executed. That's exactly right, and there are some states that would choose to do more than others. I have it on good authority, for instance, that people in Vermont would very much prefer a single-payer, government-run, government-funded health care system. I think they should have every right to do that if that's what they want. In a compact state like Vermont, where that is the prevailing opinion, uh, the state could do that much more easily, effectively, efficiently, and quickly if the federal government weren't occupying such a broad footprint here. I think each state ought to be able to make a lot of these decisions on its own, most of them, in fact. Is that something that you find to be the sentiment of the Senate in general? Uh, No, not nearly as much as I wish it would be, but I think it is where things are going. I think inevitably this is where we will end up, whether that's sooner or later, I don't know. Winston Churchill used to say the American people can always be counted on to do the right thing after they've exhausted every other alternative. Sometimes we have to make some bad choices before we realize that the better choice was before us all along. I hope that we make the better choice here sooner rather than later. Well, I agree with you. I I certainly have learned through trial and error in my life, but uh, I wish I hadn't. (laughs) I wish wish I'd used greater foresight and been able to uh, avoid those painful lessons. So what are the next steps? What's the timetable for health care reform to affect the person on Main Street? 
It's hard to say, but I hope that we will be voting on something, hopefully passing something between now and the end of July. Uh, There are a lot of steps that we have to take between now and then. It's going to require a lot of work. But the fact that it's difficult uh, doesn't diminish at all the importance or the urgency of the task at hand. Mm -hmm. Now, we have to take our first break, but stay where you are. We'll be right back to talk about Senator Lee's newest book. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Costa Report. Hi, I'm Joan London. If you're worried about your parent or loved one living alone, like I was, and you want reliable senior care information, then call a place for mom, the nation's largest senior living referral service. Finding an apartment that was on the courtyard with the view of the trees, the view of the ducks, the stream, the creek, all of that, that was what I needed. You'll get free information on assisted living, Alzheimer's care, nursing homes, even important financial information. Here's the number. To speak with a local senior living advisor, call a place for mom at 800-451-2976. That's 800-451-2976. A place for mom is a free service, and you can trust them to help you. So if you're struggling to find reliable senior living information, there's a place for answers, a place for mom. To speak with a local senior living advisor, call a place for mom at 800-451-2976. That's 800-451-2976. Have you racked up more than $10,000 in credit card debt? Are you barely getting by, making minimum payments? You should know. The credit card companies are tricking you into thinking there's no way out. Credit card companies would rather you didn't know that there are ways you can become debt-free and you don't have to pay the entire amount you owe. There are debt relief programs that help people like you escape overwhelming credit card debt. National Debt Relief has helped tens of thousands of people just like you reduce more than $500 million of debt. National Debt Relief has helped so many people, they're A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau. You don't have to declare bankruptcy or take out a consolidation loan. You have the right to settle your debt for a mere fraction of what you owe. Reduce a large portion of your debt now. Call National Debt Relief at 800-314-7417. 800-314-7417. That's 800-314-7417. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. Every day I wake up at 5 a.m. to give dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. Every day, I wake up at 5 a.m. to give Dad his medicine. At 6 a.m., I make his breakfast. At 7 a.m., I shower. I start laundry at 8. At 10, we go for a walk. Every day... I wake up at 5 a.m. For those dealing with the daily struggles of caring for a loved one, we hear you. That's why AARP created a community with experts and other caregivers for advice, tips, and support. Together, let's help each other better care for ourselves and the ones we love. Visit aarp.org caregiving. A public service announcement brought to you by AARP and the Ad Council. I am done with my mattress. That's right. I'm not spending another night on this old bag. My new mattress comes today, and this thing is out of here. Bye-bye, mattress. Yep, bye-bye, mattress. So says you and about a thousand other people every day. And that's a lot of old mattresses with no place to go. There's the landfill, of course, where they just take up space. But what a waste. Because you could send it to a mattress recycler where old mattresses get broken down into steel, foam, wood, and fiber that become new steel, carpet padding, home insulation, garden mulch, biomass fuel, locomotive oil filters, and all kinds of other great stuff. So Bye Bye Mattress is right. But don't toss it. Recycle it. It's easy. And it's free. To find a mattress recycler in your area, visit ByeByeMattress.com. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is Senator Michael Lee from Utah. And before the break, we were talking about the status of the health care reform bill in the Senate. Now, I mentioned earlier that you have a new book out, uh, just came out, 
titled Written Out of History, The Forgotten Founders Who Fought Big Government. And in this book, you bring to light a number of patriots who were instrumental in advancing the radical ideas embodied in the Bill of Rights and Constitution. So first, let me ask you, why don't we know about these people? And how did you learn about disruptors like Mercy Otis Warren? In many cases, we don't know about them because we've chosen not to emphasize them. They're inconvenient in one way or another with our narrative about who the founders were, what their background was, what they looked like. Uh, in other respects, they've just been uh, forgotten through time or in some cases for ideological reasons. People have repressed their memory because it's inconsistent with the narrative that the federal government can solve all of our world's ills, that all of our nation's problems can and should be dealt with at the national government level rather than at a more local level. Now, how did you find them, though? You know, I collect them. I I collect these. I look constantly for examples of people who stood out, uh, who stood up for things like federalism and separation of powers, for individuals like Kanasatego, who was an Iroquois Indian chief, little known by most Americans. Most Americans have probably never even heard of him. Uh, And yet he's the father of one of the most important features of the Constitution, what became uh, codified in the Ten Amendment, the principle known as federalism, the idea that most power should remain close to the people at the state and local level. This was the product not just of a bunch of old white guys. This was the product of some Native Americans uh, who were part of the Iroquois Confederacy who joined together for this purpose. Canasatego taught these things to Ben Franklin. Ben Franklin then shared them with the other founding fathers who put it into our Constitution. You know, we've been talking about uh, the values of federalism and versus, you know, allowing the states at the local level to handle things like the execution of a health care program, for example. Um, what, lately, and, and it's been a, a, an ongoing concern of mine, Senator, lately the use of executive order has been a little bit disturbing to me, as well as the renaming of things that... Uh, probably should have been treaties like the Iran Agreement as an agreement. Uh, By simply relabeling things, it seems as though the executive office can now uh, move forward without uh, going through what I consider to be the uh, intended role of Congress. Um, Does that concern you in some way, or is that just, you know, has the press over-exaggerated that? Is that a fantasy of mine? It concerns me a lot, and it concerns me regardless of the letter after the name of the president in question. It concerns me regardless of the political affiliation or ideology of that president for the simple reason that this was something the founding generation understood and understood well. Look, at the time of the Constitutional Convention, there was not a single uh, delegate to that convention who believed anything other than that George Washington would be our first president. They loved George Washington. They revered him. They respected him. They almost worshipped him. And yet, notwithstanding their great respect for him, they put together a presidency, an executive branch, whose powers were limited by, among other things, requirements that any treaties would have to be ratified by the Senate, that any presidential nominees to high positions, to the courts, to cabinet-level positions, for example, would have to be confirmed by the Senate. They wanted to make sure that no one person, no uh, one group of people could get too much power. That's why they put these checks and balances in place. And separation of powers is an important principle, but it's one that's been weakened over the course of many decades. Sadly, it's been weakened under the leadership of Democrats and Republicans alike. Uh, Houses of Representatives, Senates, and White Houses of every conceivable partisan combination have, over the last 80 years, eroded and weakened the distinction between the legislative power in Congress and the executive power in the executive branch. But it feels to me more that the weakening has come from the executive office itself. I I agree with you, irrespective of who's been occupying that executive office, it feels as though you can just by simply not calling something a treaty, calling it an agreement, or uh, or just deciding that, uh, you know, something's in the interest of national security. There's so many ways to circumvent going through congressional procedure. There are, and there are some real risks within the presidency, within the executive branch, generally for that reason. But the reason I don't think it's a a, a one-sided issue is because in order to take power away from the legislative branch, you almost have to have a push and pull effect. You You have to have the executive pulling the power, and you kind of have to have the legislative branch either pushing it out or at least acquiescing. There are a number of ways in which Congress 
uh, is often guilty of acquiescence to this kind of uh, executive usurpation of political power. One way is by ignoring it, continuing to fund the executive branch operations as if nothing had happened. Uh, and another way is when they delegate away uh, lawmaking power, when they'll say we, we hereby delegate to Agency X the power to make good law in Area Y, and they'll have the power to make that law and also to enforce that law. This actually happens all the time. And so it's, it's kind of a push and pull combination by members of Congress and presidents alike. They do it for purposes of political expediency, but it ends up harming the American people. You know, one lesson that we have learned now uh, painfully from the Obama administration is that the founding fathers must have had some idea that there potentially could be abuse in the executive office and built in a remedy for these executive orders. And and one of those remedies is if you if you don't go through Congress, as in the case of a treaty, and you decide something's going to be an agreement or just an executive order, it can be overturned by the following administration. That's exactly right. And there are a lot of people who are upset that that's happening. And yet, uh, where were those same people when those executive orders were being put in place in the first place? saying perhaps this is not the best way to set policy. Perhaps this isn't the best way to establish law. After all, it's the very first clause of the first section of the first article of the Constitution that says all legislative powers here and granted shall be vested in a Congress, which shall consist of a Senate and a House of Representatives. Those are not idle words. Those words say that when we make federal policy and when we back that up with the overpowering force of the federal well, the fact is there's a penalty built in to uh, not going through congressional procedure, and we're seeing the results of that. But so are foreign nations. They're seeing an inconsistency in policy because it's so easy for the incoming president to overturn whatever the previous president did. And I think that hurts us as well. I, I think that is uh, uh, very uh, true, and I, I think that's one of the reasons why it's always important for us to speak. When we have a president who decides to commit us to an international agreement, it's incumbent upon the president and others in government to point out that there are unique aspects to the way our system works. And among those unique aspects is the fact that in order to bind the United States government to a perpetual international agreement, uh, that takes a treaty, and a treaty takes ratification. That takes a two-thirds supermajority vote in the Senate. Right. And had we gone to a treaty, it would not be so easy or so uh, convenient to uh, undo uh, whatever foreign policies that uh, that we do establish. Uh, one of the parts of your book, I have to say, which I related to personally, was some of the debates that you had with your father, who you in- who uh, actually encouraged you to make your case. And uh, he must have done a very good job, because I'll tell you, in this book, written out of history, you do make a very compelling case for the people that were written out of history, who we owe a debt of gratitude for our Constitution. We'll be right back after these important messages. You're listening to the Costa Report. I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Cellars. Scott, we keep hearing about the wines that are being developed in Monterey County. How would you describe the climate conditions for grapes? Monterey County has a lot of little pockets that give you the opportunity to grow a variety of grapes. It comes down to the match of location and climate with the varietal that you're going to grow. And where we grow in the highlands, it's prototypical cool climate. We're even in the northern side of the highlands. So that is ideal for both Pinot and Chardonnay. Chardonnay strives really well in a lot of our county, as well as Pinot. But I would say that this is the most optimal location. You get wind, you get sun exposure. The benches come off of the inland side of the coastal mountains. It's an optimal position. You can order any of our products directly from us by visiting our website, caracciolicellars.com, or calling the tasting room directly, 831-622-7722. I'm Paul George of the Indiana Pacers. When I was six, I had one thing on my mind. When I was six, my days were spent playing basketball every chance I could. When I was six, my dream was to make it to the NBA. When I was six, my mom had a stroke. So I want you to learn the signs of a stroke fast. 
F-A-S-T. F, face drooping. A, arm weakness. S, speech difficulty. T, time to call 911. Because the sooner they get to the hospital, the sooner they'll get treatment. And that can make a remarkable difference in their recovery. I'm Paul George. Protect the ones you love. Spot a stroke F-A-S-T. Fast. Life is why. Visit strokeassociation.org. Brought to you by the American Stroke Association and the Ad Council. Women now make up 37% of the workforce, changing their role forever. Harvard Medical School has now opened its doors to new female applicants. The first woman is now in space. The majority of last year's doctorate degrees were earned by women. We've come so far, but our news is changing for the worse. More women die from heart disease and stroke than men, even though it can be prevented. Make a change at GoRedForWomen.org today. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the American Heart Association's Go Red for Women. Okay, what are you wearing right now? Nothing. That's right. So mommy's going to teach you how to dress yourself. Underwear always comes first. Name tag at the back, then pants, then shirt. Get the first button in the right hole or you have to start all over. Socks going first, then shoes right on right, left on left. With shoelaces, just take the ends, cross them over, switch the loops. The rabbit goes down the hole, pull tight, and you're left with bunny ears. Got it? Why are your pants on your head? Most parenting is hard to do in just two minutes. But two minutes twice a day, making sure they brush their teeth is easier, and it could help save them from a lifetime of tooth pain. Visit 2min2x.org to find out more. A message from the Partnership for Healthy Mouths, Healthy Lives, and the Ag Council. Psst. Yeah, you. It's me, your heart. Listen to me. We've got to talk. High blood pressure is serious, and yours? Whoa. What happened to us? We used to be so much more active. But lately, you've been ignoring me. I know you think I'm just going to keep ticking away forever, but you're wrong. You can do so much more to control your high blood pressure. Doing the minimum isn't doing enough. I'm under a lot of pressure and can quit whenever I want. Bet you didn't know that. But I like my job. Just treat me better. Check on me. Give me something green to nibble on every once in a while. And maybe we can do some exercise on occasion. Let's get to it. After all, we're in this together. Listen to your heart. Don't let it quit on you. High blood pressure can lead to a stroke, heart attack, or death. Get your blood pressure to a healthy range before it's too late. Find out how at heart.org slash blood pressure. Check, change, control. A message from the American Heart Association, the American Stroke Association, and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and if you're just joining us, our guest today is Senator Michael Lee from Utah. And we've been talking about his newest book titled Written Out of History, which is a must-read for listeners who are interested in the origins of many of the ideas which have formed the basis of the American Constitution. Now, Senator, you have been doing much more than writing about the Constitution. You have also been busy making certain that the values and the rights expressed are restored. And along those lines, you and Ted Cruz joined with Dianne Feinstein and Sheldon Whitehouse and other Democrats to sponsor the Due Process Guarantee Act. And if ever there was a bill which was designed to strengthen our commitment to the Constitution and Bill of Rights, well, in my view, this bipartisan bill should have been front page news. So I want to try to fix that. Tell us about the Due Process Guarantee Act. Uh, first of all, thank you for asking about the Due Process Guarantee Act. I always welcome the opportunity to discuss this because it's one of the more important pieces of legislation I've worked on in this. I got together with my friend and colleague, Diane Feinstein, a few years ago. Now, she's a, a liberal Democrat, and I'm never described uh, uh, that way. Uh, but she and I agree on this area that the federal government ought not have the power and certainly never should undertake, uh, should, uh, should attempt to undertake the practice of indefinitely detaining a U.S. citizen on U.S. soil and holding them without charge, without trial, without uh, opportunity to uh, be represented by counsel. These are things that are prohibited expressly by various provisions in the Constitution and the Bill of Rights. We can't let the government do that, and yet there are sections of U.S. code that purport to give the government that power as long as they're charged the right way, as long as they're accused of the right kind of crime, certain types of terrorist activity. This provision of a Defense Authorization Act that was passed into law about five years ago suggests the government can do that. Can't. Our bill, the Due Process Guarantee Act, makes that clear. Why did we think that terrorism could not uh, could not just use the current 
laws and current judicial process? What what was it about terrorism that we thought we needed a different process? Well, look, it's 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 understandable, uh, unforgivable, but still under, understandable why some people would rush to that type of judgment. I mean, terrorism is a very bad thing. It leaves people scared. Uh, but governing on the basis of fear and trusting that you can empower government without creating other risks is almost always a bad idea, especially when you're contravening fundamental constitutional protections like these ones. So I understand it's about terrorism. Anytime terrorism is involved, uh, concerns are heightened. But there are ways of dealing with this. When we're talking about U.S. citizens apprehended on U.S. soil, there's no good reason why we can't give people access to the same due process rights uh, that they would have in any other criminal context. We have to continue to protect these, the American people. This shouldn't be unremarkable. This shouldn't be remarkable. This shouldn't be controversial. This shouldn't even be hotly disputed. And yet it is. There are some people in Congress who don't ever want this to be the law and want to maintain this provision, suggesting the government can indefinitely detain you without charge, without trial, without counsel. And that's wrong. And yet what is remarkable is that you have managed to get bipartisan support for this bill. And another thing that's remarkable is as soon as you get bipartisan support, the media doesn't cover anything about it. Yeah, you know, the the old expression, if it bleeds, it leads. Uh, There is a political corollary to that that I've never been able to manage uh, to make rhyme. But it's basically it it, uh, speaks of partisan rancor and sharp divisions across party lines that that measure up according to what people tend to expect, then it leads. Then it'll be the lead story. Bipartisanship of people agreeing across party lines isn't always the first thing they want to cover, even though it should be, even though uh, it ought to be, even though this is much more of a man bites dog sort of moment. Uh, very often things like this don't get covered. And this is a very important bill, and I, I'm ashamed that it is not on the front cover of, you know, of, of uh, all of the newspapers. It just needs to have much more coverage. Now, what is the legal remedy for an individual who's indefinitely detained under this new act? Well, they, they can seek their, uh, their, their freedom in court. They can seek a remedy in court, and that's one of the things that was deprived of them. I mean, you, you, you can't uh, indefinitely detain someone under this bill. Uh, uh, they have to be given access to a judicial remedy. They would have that here, and uh, as a practical matter, this is going to result in the government not doing it at all. Now, I don't mean to suggest that this is the kind of thing that is occurring right now, that the government is currently undertaking a practice of doing it. It is instead the case that there are people who are arguing that the government should be able to do it and might, in some cases, need to do it. My point is, if you're talking about a U.S. citizen detained on U.S. soil, that can't happen. We're not going to let it. And what is the status of this bill? This bill was introduced for the first time about four, four and a half years ago. Uh, we have gotten floor votes on it a couple of times. It has never managed to make its way into something that itself ended up passing. Um, so it'll come up again this year. We hope and expect to get a vote on it in connection with the Defense Authorization Act this year. Uh, that'll probably be debated and voted on toward the second half of 2017. Well, I hope you'll come back and tell us more about that, because I know we've got over two million listeners across the United States, and I know that this is the kind of thing that they are very interested in, would like to hear more about. I'm afraid we're just about out of time, but uh, before we say goodbye, I want to thank you for your work on the Due Process Guarantee Act and for your terrific new book. Thank you for joining us, Senator Lee. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be with you, and thanks for letting me talk about Written Out of History. Once again, the name of the book, Written Out of History, it is available on Amazon and bookstores throughout the United States. Do yourself a favor if you're looking for a good summer read. Uh, This is a book that you will not want to put down. Now, before we take our scheduled break, I want to tell you about one of the nicest things that you can do for yourself and also for your loved ones. And I'm talking about spending time together in the kitchen at the end of the day. My family's new habit is the number one fresh ingredient and recipe delivery service in the country, Blue Apron. For under $10 a person, all the fresh ingredients, along with an easy step-by-step recipe to make a healthy, 
and delicious meal is delivered right to our front door. And I'm talking about ingredients like sustainably sourced seafood and beef, chicken, and pork from responsibly raised animals and produce from farms that practice regenerative farming. What's more, from box to table, these yummy recipes take less than 40 minutes to make which is why so many couples and families rely on Blue Apron for dinner. It's one way to get the entire family working together in the kitchen. It's no wonder that families that use Blue Apron are three times more likely to cook at home. Blue Apron offers such a wide variety of meals that even the pickiest eaters in your family are going to find something to cheer about. Choose from meals like warm smoked trout and asparagus salad with fingerling potatoes and garlic croutons. Or spiced zucchini enchiladas with creamy lime and tomato rice. Or here's my favorite, and if you have a chance, try this peach honey glazed chicken with mashed sweet potatoes, collard greens, and Thai basil. That's a meal that'll please any palate, I'll tell you. Thai and Southern cooking combined. Who knew? Who knew it would work? Check out Blue Apron's menu for yourself, and you'll be surprised and delighted at the variety that you'll find there. And right now, Blue Apron is offering three free meals, including free shipping, when you go to blueapron.com slash Costa. My last name, C-O-S-T-A. You'll love how it feels and tastes to create incredible home-cooked meals with Blue Apron. So don't wait. Don't wait until this offer doesn't isn't available anymore. I, I get a lot of people calling me about other offers that we offered a few months ago, and I can't do anything about that. You can complain all you want, but once the sponsor cuts the offer off, that's it. So go to blueapron.com slash Costa. Make sure you put in the slash Costa to get those three delicious free meals with sh- free shipping. One more time, that's blueapron.com dot com slash costa and now it's time to take our regular program break when we come back i'm going to tell you why you're not hearing more about the due process guarantee act that comes up for vote this year anywhere else but right here on the costa report stay tuned we'll be right back you're listening to the costa report From time to time, listeners ask me whether I believe we're on the brink of a massive unilateral social collapse. And if so, is there any hope we can avert it? While there's no quick answer to that question, there is an easy explanation. One you'll find in my book, The Watchman's Rattle. Get your copy today because the sequel to The Watchman's Rattle will be coming out in just four months. So this gives you all summer to get ready for what comes next. That's The Watchman's Rattle, available at RebeccaCosta.com, Amazon, and bookstores everywhere. When I say Italy, what comes to mind? Venice. Capri. Oh my gosh, Capri was marvelous. The views, the cliffside views, or traveling to Sorrento. Pirello Tours. Oh, Pirello Tours, for sure. Pirello. Hi, I'm Steve Pirello of Pirello Tours. With over 70 years of tour experience to Italy, it's no wonder Pirello Tours is synonymous with travel to Italy. I think of the culture. And to walk up to certain areas and touch a wall and think, well, this wall's like 3,000 years old. Being on a Pirello Tour on our anniversary was better than anything I can remember ever on an anniversary. I personally approve every itinerary to ensure a stress-free once-in-a-lifetime vacation. Salute! Call now for your free insider's guide to Perillo's Italy. Call in the next 30 minutes and qualify for a $100 gift card when you travel with us. Call 800-897-7176. 800-897-7176. Hi there, I'm Bob Eubanks. You know, as part of Hollywood for a long time, I've seen my fair share of celebrities get in trouble with the IRS. Well, there's one name I trust, the Tax Defense Group. So if you owe more than $10,000 to the IRS, you really need to call my friends at the Tax Defense Group. They offer a 100% satisfaction guarantee, and they're open 24 hours a day because they know that tax debt doesn't sleep either. Call 800-257-2910. 800-257-2910. It may be hard to believe, but people just like you are already saving money. FeedThePig.org makes it easy. Their simple savings plan teaches you how to start saving without going overboard. 
so you don't need to mooch off your friends. You gonna finish that grape? You mean the one in my mouth? You don't need to stop buying the necessities. What you're smelling is a natural musk. Ew. You don't need to be a medical test subject. How do you feel? Mostly okay. I... <laughs> Sometimes, though. <laughs> you don't need to get a second job as a stuntman. We need a new stuntman. Let's break for lunch. You just need an internet connection. Don't get left behind. Start your personal savings plan with the tips and tools on feedthepig.org. That way, you don't need to sell your soul to the devil. Fifteen bucks is the best I can do. All right, deal. Brought to you by the American Institute of CPAs and the Ad Council. Hey, America, we need to have a little talk. I don't know if you've noticed, but we got a lot of food in this country. A lot of peaches, a lot of corn, a lot of apples, a lot of everything. We've got so much food that we can't even eat it all. So if we got all this extra food, how are 17 million kids in America struggling with hunger? I just don't get it. That's why the Feeding America nationwide network of food banks gathers surplus food and gets it to the hungry kids who need it. They can get you food even if you live in Idaho or Alaska or somewhere crazy like that. This isn't complicated. We've got extra food and we've got hungry kids. Feeding America's done the math. Now it's your turn. Support Feeding America and your local food bank at feedingamerica.org. I know you got internet on your phone, so what are you waiting for? We can't do it without your help. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest this hour has been United States Senator from Utah, Mr. Michael Lee, who, as you heard, has introduced a bipartisan bill along with Ted Cruz, Dianne Feinstein, Sheldon Whitehouse, and others from both sides of the aisle to stop the practice of detaining individuals for undetermined periods, sometimes lasting for many years without charging an individual or bringing them to trial. Now, this bill is called the Do process guarantee act it comes up for vote this year and i am betting and i'm not a betting woman but i'm betting that you have not heard one thing about this bipartisan bill anywhere else but here on the costa report and the reason for this is the media is so polarized and so intent on fanning the flames of opposition that they don't want to cover anything that's not controversial The minute you've got both parties agreeing on a bill, well, there's no adrenaline-generating drama. Nothing for partisan pundits and analysts to rail against. Nothing to point your finger at the other side about. In other words, it doesn't meet the mainstream media's idea of news. And that's a shame. And so what we hear on the news today is speculation about the Russian investigation 24-7, commentary about Donald Trump's speeches and body language and misspelled tweets, and the opposition to the immigration ban and health care. Take note, folks, that every lead on the news today is divisive in some way, and there's no greater proof of what kind of stories the media caters to than the fact that Feinstein and Cruz and Lee and White House have all gotten together to make certain that individual civil civil liberties are not infringed on in the name of national security. And this is the first time you're hearing about it. And maybe... The only time. I hope not. These leaders believe that the courts have already demonstrated they're more than capable of dealing with terrorists. And so there's absolutely no reason not to charge and bring those who are being held to trial to use the existing judicial system. Now, it turns out the culprit has been the 2001 authorization of the use of military force, which made it permissible to detain individuals, that includes U.S. citizens, for indefinite periods of time. This authorization created a false choice in the minds of many leaders and also the American public. It caused us to believe that it was okay to sidestep our justice system. We came to believe that a system which requires an individual to be charged and tried in a court of law, according to the rules of law, could not work when it came to terrorism. 
somehow those suspected of terrorist acts were different from other criminals. And so there needed to be different rules and a different system to handle them. Hence, Guantanamo. This year marks the 15th anniversary of the opening of Guantanamo, where 41 prisoners who have never been charged are still held. Five of those 41 prisoners were cleared for release, but here was the catch. They waited to actually be released for seven years after they were cleared. As far as the others who have been charged or not have not been charged, the Department of Justice claims that there's not enough evidence to bring them to trial. And what do we do in this country when there's not enough real evidence to charge or try a person? Well, I can tell you what Americans don't do. We don't scrap our entire justice system, the Constitution of the United States, the Bill of Rights, and incarcerate a person for as long as we please, which is why it is so significant that both Republican and Democratic leaders have come together to make it clear that the 2001 authorization of the use of military force did not authorize illegal detainment. Yes, folks, even if the mainstream media won't report it, there are some things both sides of the aisle do agree on. And if you like the sounds of that, let Feinstein, Cruz, White House, and Senator Mike Lee know how you feel. Tell them you want to see Congress work together. And while you're at it, let your favorite radio and television hosts and anchors know you want more coverage about what's right in Washington, the progress that they're making, and not just covering what they think that that either side of the aisle is doing wrong. Now, today we've been talking about the importance of collaborating and working together and and communicating and coming together as a team. And everyone knows you get the most productive results when every member of that team contributes to moving the ball down the field. But what happens when you have an open job, a job that's difficult to fill? Well, that's where ZipRecruiter can help. With ZipRecruiter.com, you can post your job to 100-plus job sites with just one click. Then powerful technology matches the right person to your job. And everyone knows that if there's a way to post a job just one time and have it appear on 100 job sites, how much time that saves and just how much you increase the odds of locating that perfect person for your opening. This is why ZipRecruiter is different and used by thousands of businesses, both small and large, Unlike other job sites, ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them. In fact, over 80% of jobs posted on ZipRecruiter locate a qualified candidate in just 24 hours in one day. So ZipRecruiter is not only thorough, it's also fast. No more juggling emails or calls to your office. Simply screen, rate, and manage candidates all in one place with ZipRecruiter's easy-to-use dashboard. Find out today why ZipRecruiter has been used by businesses of all sizes to find the most qualified job candidates with immediate results. And right now, my listeners can post jobs on ZipRecruiter for free. That's right. If you have a job opening, what have you got to lose? Post it on ZipRecruiter and you won't pay one penny. Just go to ZipRecruiter.com slash report. R-E-P-O-R-T. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash report. One more time. To try it completely for free, go to ZipRecruiter.com slash report. And that just about wraps up our first hour. I have to say I really enjoyed speaking to Senator Michael Lee. Uh, He is someone that, you know, if if you've been listening to this program for a while, You know that I don't often say this, and we interview the top leaders in the world, from the Secretary of NATO, Secretary General of NATO, to the Speaker of the House, to former Vice Presidents. They they all come through this studio. And I will tell you that Senator Mike Lee is someone you're going to hear a lot about in the coming months uh, and and the coming years. Uh, He is a legal and constitutional scholar. And he puts those values above all else, above party loyalty 
most importantly. And that is the kind of individual that's going to bring the left and right of this country together. So if you're not familiar with Senator Mike Lee, I will tell you that uh, that I will tell you that you're going to hear a lot more about him. And uh, it was such a pleasure to have him on the program. Now, if your station is leaving us after this hour, my guest next week is a member of the National Radio Hall of Fame and a very familiar voice to you. I know. <laughs> oh, we've got some folks here jumping up and down here at the radio studio, and I know that you'll be happy to hear that Mr. Jim Bohannon will be here to talk about why there's so much right and left-wing extremism in the media. Is Senator Mike Lee right? If it doesn't bleed, it doesn't lead. Have we become, is, is that what's driving what the lead stories are in the media right now? Really, I, I, I have to tell you, I am so disappointed that the main story this last week was Donald Trump's misspelling in a tweet. Don't we have, folks, <laughs> I, I know some of you agree with me out there. Don't we have bigger fish to fry? I, I think we do. And uh, and next week, Jim Bohannon will be here to talk about some of those bigger fish that we better get busy frying. <laughs> uh, he's going to talk about what we need to do to bring back good old-fashioned objective journalism. Uh, and I, I have to, maybe maybe I'm just a wistful, but I think there's an opportunity, particularly in the current climate, to bring back objective journalism journalism the kind of journalism that you want to hear the kind that reports the information that you got today only on this program so don't miss jim bohannon next week right here on the only news program that puts policy ahead of politics you're listening to the costa report Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.